I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. When you kiss me, fever, when you hold me tight. Fever. Hello and welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we talk the men's game against the victory and a couple of other notable things. Uh, that could be more vague, could I? Um, I'm joined by Dale, Dave and Cam. Hi guys. Hello. Hello. Good evening. That was almost as vague as my original statement. Uh, let's just get on to the victory um, so that way we can move off as fast as we can because it makes me sad. It certainly wasn't a victory, that's for sure. No, it wasn't. Um, we had a couple of outed, uh, outages. That's the wrong word if you're in the technical world like I am. We had a couple of players out. Um, Wooten, obviously, with uh, that injury. Uh, Timmy Payne with his little red card incident uh, sitting out this one. That left Finn Sermon to drop into that back line alongside Laws. Otherwise, uh, unchanged. Obviously, Lewis out, Ugarkovic in. Um, Basically, our strongest lineup we could put on the field. I mean, we talked last week about whether Rufa should drop into the back line, and I don't think it was a bad option. Uh, I think it's probably six of one, half dozen of the other, um, which way you choose to go with that. And Ufi chose Sermon. Fair play. Yeah, I, I think. I didn't think he was going to go that way. It would have been a bold call, and I think it would have been one of those things that was either be genius or absolute. Um, foolhardiness but um he's gone the more conservative approach you have to think he also has questioned if he hadn't picked sermon what damage that does to the kid's confidence as well in that situation like he's sitting there he's what fourth choice center back behind Payne, wooten and laws here's an opportunity where he's you know basically the the, the last tap off the rink in that situation he's got to play if he doesn't pick him then it probably does some fairly heavy damage to his confidence. Especially when you're up against bottom of the table as well. I mean, if, if you're not going to pick him in that game, when would you pick him? I could, I could understand if it was, you know, top of the table clash or something, maybe you juggle some of your more experienced guys around because of the, because of the, you know, the power of the moment, but you're up against bottom of the table. As you say, if you don't pick him, then when would you? And he has had a little bit of game time in, in the few weeks. If he's coming in straight cold, like if there's the first minutes of the season, maybe you're, you're yeah, you, you put Rufa back there, but you know he played what half an hour the week before, and he's you know had sort of ten minutes here and there a couple of weeks before, so he has had some. It, it was his first start, though. Um, not that I'm advocating against playing. I thought he's been pretty reasonable when he has uh, been called on. He does have the odd little lapse, but you know this is the A League. He's a young fella. Yeah, well, A League central defender doesn't have the odd lapse. <laughs> Yes, very much so. Uh, speaking of lapses, we can just get straight on to that first goal. Uh, a, a speculative cross in from the left, uh, which ended up finding the head of Zawada. He had a bit to do, and he did every bit of it and more. How good was that header? Oh, I think you're underselling the cross, I think. I don't think it was speculative at all. I thought it was... It was coming in from pretty deep, Dale. If you're a central defender... I think you're being really harsh on Laws, actually. I think he's seen Zawada in there and played to get Zawada. Um, oh, no, definitely, definitely. But that has come from a long way deep. If you're a centre-back and that you're not getting that, it better be an absolute ripper. Is it any, any deeper than Tim Payne's the week before? No, I'm saying that's that was just as bad defending. Oh, okay, good. Glad we cleared that up. So it was it was a good cross then. It was a, it was a decent cross, but with four defenders in that line and only one attacker, there's only one person that's going to. If you can't cut it off, or at least get a body on him, well then it must be a great cross, right? Or their shit, Dave. <laughs> I mean, I, I I think it's a great goal. I mean, yeah, there might be some poor defending in there. I mean, maybe maybe the defender should be should do better, but. He's put a ball in to try and find him. He finds him perfectly, and Zawada does everything that needs to be done with that header. It's it's essentially unsavable by the end, and and you know, great goal. Do we think that there's any other striker in the league that would have could have scored that? 
because I'm genuinely racking my brain to think of one. Jamie McLaren heads an all right ball. But he's not getting in up that high and getting no, that much power. not. But, yeah, I mean, it's you've got to be given the opportunity, right? And I don't know. I, th- I think we've seen him score some pretty decent headers, so maybe he'd be the only one I'd throw in the mix. But we don't generally get great headers in the A-League, particularly not from strikers. When you see them, they're usually wings or whatever running in back post you know Louis Fenton's diving header for example you know they're not they're not your number nine scoring the great headers in the A-League generally David Williams he would have scored that yeah he would have scored a hat trick right (laughs) he he would have run too fast I reckon um that was that couldn't have been a much better start one nil to the victory away How, how did you feel about this stage guys because we'd been a bit pessimistic about this game building up to it, to the point of I'm pretty sure that a lot of people were contemplating turning turning it off before it even started. But like Perth, wasn't it? It was like we were pretty comfortable on the ball, had most of the position, sort of knocking it around quite well. Um, and that, I guess that I think that was our first chance, and obviously took it took it well. But up, up, yeah, up until that point, even maybe for another ten minutes or so, I thought we looked. You know, where we were compared to them in the table. I was going to say, I think I think the thing that sums up for me is, you know, it's the hope that kills you. It's it's a thing we say we say often, um, you know, behind the scenes in, in Fever Towers, and uh, it, it's one of those ones where, like, while this was nice to see us score a goal, it didn't make me more confident. It made me more pessimistic because I I've seen how we've tried to close out games. I know how we go in Melbourne, and it just you know it felt. We, we should have been leading at this point. We were looking dominant, but all I could see was the abyss ahead that I hoped wouldn't arrive. And I mean, it, it did. This to me is the difference between heart and head. My head, I was like, we are playing good football. A victory are awful. And it's not the same team as, you know, days gone past where we'd go off and get thumped 5-0. So my, my head was like, yes, but my heart was exactly the same, Dave. I was like, we're going to find a way to screw this up because we, we always do. If we'd, if we'd bagged another one quickly to follow this, I think I would have started to believe. Up, up, up by two, I would have felt a lot more confident. You know, obviously we saw against Perth, that doesn't necessarily mean everything, but I think that would have been the, the thing that would have got me feeling more confident about how this was going to go because one's just not enough to win a game against victory away. You, you need to put it to bed and we've seen us struggle to close out games and it, you know, it, that's been a theme across the season. That's, that's not just a few games. That's a lot of games where we've struggled to really close them out. The last half an hour, 20 minutes is where we seem to go to sleep and we seem to gift goals away and we seem to, you know, have to, have to dig deep to, you know, edge out a result that should have been comfortable um, so you needed more than one. Yeah, I, I I think you were very right about the the ten minutes following. It was basically as soon as Callan Elliott got picked up that yellow card, which was very very early for um, an A League ref, I should say. But as soon as he got that yellow card, and they just went right, we're going at we're going at him. Chances seemed to get fairly thick and fast. Yeah, well, he did give away a lot of free kicks um, yeah. in that game, and making and and just a lot of. St- stupid tackles at points where it didn't need to sort of happen as well um so i guess once you're once you're at that stage and you got a, was it in the was it about 30th minute or something maybe even earlier um and, and you're already getting you're already getting targeted um yeah they're just going to run at you all day then after that there's a nice little callback from Ufi to that because Callan Callan got it after giving away three quick fouls and the ref said that's three and pointed at three spots and later in the game Ufi was very quick to be like that's three. We've said three's a yellow, and he's pointing out fouls that players have given away three. And I was like, I don't think that's quite how it works, Ufi. Like, in the 70th minute, three <laughs> isn't necessarily a yellow. There's been a lot more minutes, you know, go up, go under the bridge by then. But but Ufi held on to that all game, and you could hear him on the um, on the effects mic talking to the fourth about it. And I thought that was very funny. After I'd been like, okay, if persistent fouling's three, I'm going to watch for anyone else who gives away three, and I'm going to be in your ear. Yeah, I, I've got to say that that's uh, fair enough um, on, on Ufi's part. Um, we should get on to the. Um, there were a couple of couple of chances, but um, 
coming up to the 32nd minute. Um, I don't know who uh, cracked that shot off from fairly close range, but Ollie Sale managed to um, save it quite well. Unfortunately, it went straight to Bruno Fornaroli, who beat the two defenders on the line, um, bringing it level. Um, this was something that, let's be honest, um, I'm thinking it, I'm surprised it didn't kill Newsy. He seems quite upset about it. Um, it wasn't the best defending from the halfway onward. No, it wasn't. And um, all three of the goals, really, we, we kind of we all gifted them. Like, And you, know, you can say that with a lot of goals, but this one in particular like, really, really riled me because I think Moragas gets caught upfield, which, fine, you've still got three covering defenders, but Josh Laws is, is sort of covering that spot, but kind of doesn't go the ball and doesn't, doesn't take one of these strikers and just kind of sits in no man's land and the ball kind of goes towards the back post and he kind of just jogs back and he, and it's not he hasn't kind of realized the situation because the player he was going was kind of in and around and he could have quite easily got back with a little bit of a sprint to get back to kind of help out but it ended up being a three on two whereas if, if he got back it would have been three on three and, and you know maybe that helps when you know Oli Sale makes the first save that we've got more bodies around um, it just was really, just really lax defending and just not anticipating the, the danger that was about. Yeah, I, I agree on 90% of that. Like, I, I thought that he did turn and chase reasonably hard, but he was so badly out of position that he just wasn't getting there. What got me was the two defenders that went belting past. There's, there's three attackers. The two defenders have gone belting past the keeper and stood on the... Uh, on the goal line and not even, you know, it, it seems, it seems like they weren't aware of where the, the victory players were or what was going on. They, they'd gone past uh, Ollie before he even saved the ball. Well, I mean, that's, I think that's what also gets me is Laws is meant to be the, the experienced player in that back line. And he just left Sermon, who's 18 and Cullen Elliott, who's, I don't know, was he early 20s? And in between, they've probably played less than 30 games total. Like, he should be the one that's organising their back line, whereas he, he got caught well at position and kind of, I, I thought it was a jog more than anything. Um, and, and leaving your two quite experienced players to defend against, you know, Fauna Riley, who's very experienced um, in there, is, is, you know, criminal, really. Yeah, yeah. As, as badly out of form as. Fornaroli's been. It's you can't gift them chances like that. Um, reasonably well taken finish in the end, considering the ball came flying back at him. He managed to get it under control with his body and then basically toe stab at home. Um, I, I thought he did pretty well, and Ollie did very well saving the first one. But yeah, they seemed so so disorganised, and the vibe was just desperation rather than control. Yeah, I saw a few people trying to try to pin this one on Ollie as well, and I, I just I just don't see that. You know, it's like they were saying he should have held this. He, there's no way you should parry that to the other striker. I mean, I think he makes a pretty darn good save considering the situation. I think I think the rest of his defenders are to blame for this one. I mean, you can discuss the rest of his performance, but I don't think this one's anywhere near him in terms of in terms of blame. No, that from that distance, a full blooded shot. He's done well to get a hand on it. If he holds that, I mean, it's a it's a miracle more than anything. I I just yeah. I mean, maybe you can argue he should parry it in a different place, but I don't think he has time to be considering that. It's a it's a reflex save, and he does well for mine. Yeah, absolutely. When the, when the shots from further out, then you can have a, a conversation about where someone's parrying it. But when it's from you know five yards away, maybe you, you just got to hope you get something on it, and you hope. Or you don't get enough on it, you tip it around the post. It's like that awkward where you almost save it too well and it falls straight to someone else. Yeah, and you, you end up looking a a bit of a tit because it falls right at his feet, but that's just that's just how the luck is sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I, I still give credit to Fauna Rolling on this. I think, I mean, Ollie got fairly hard hands to it. Like if, you, if you're not going to be able to tip it around, if you at least, you know, give it a good whack with hard hands, it, it you're making someone do something decent to get it back in. And I think Fornaroli did that. So I, I yeah, I, I'm with you, Dave. I, I can't see how Sale gets any blame for this. He saved a point-blank shot from one of the best strikers in the league. 
Cam, you're awfully quiet. Yep, I was trying to struggling to remember the goal. To be honest, um, they all started to uh, to roll into each other, and I haven't watched the replay for fairly obvious reasons. Did our play-by-play not help you enough, Cam? No, it genuinely didn't in this case. <laughs> well, I think it's probably good good um, uh, mental health um, marshalling on your behalf. I've got the blanket. Blanket out, yeah, fair. So I was just going to like leave it and let you guys discuss it and you know let it slide, but you had to highlight it, so I'll have to get Dale to edit this out now. Yes. Well, <laughs> to be honest, otherwise people wouldn't know you're still here. That's not necessarily a loss, buddy. <laughs> Could say that about me as well. Um, so that brought us in half, uh, at halftime, one all. We were lucky not to be down to Fornaroli goal just before halftime. I think it was the 45th Oh, the turn and volley. Yeah, he's in in front and he probably should finish that. If he's if he's at normal Fornaroli form, he smashes this in and, and we're 2-1 down at the half, right? But he's obviously still lacking in that confidence and, and absolutely skies it. But it's a tough volley. But I think I think it, when he's in form, he finishes that all day. Isn't that the one that he's called back for offside? And he gives it the the liner gives it the oh the oh, maybe yeah yeah I'm pretty sure it's yeah called back for offside afterwards. I, I think he did, but I also think that he didn't know it. Like to me, this wasn't a lack of confidence. This was Fornaroli thinking, oh, I'm Fornaroli again. I'm going to roof this. Just forgetting that he's badly out of form, but not not. Uh, not uh, lacking confidence by any stretch. You, you slot that whether you're offside or not, right? You, as a pro, you slot that, let the ref and liner make the decision, let VAR make the decision. Don't You, you can't use the offside as an excuse for for missing the opportunity. You oh, no, he, he was never making excuses for it. He, he thought he'd just blown it. Um, so at halftime, uh, how were we feeling? Were we thinking it's... I, I had the feeling that it, it, unless we turn up for the first five minutes, we're in a world of hurt. I was concerned because we, a couple of things. One, we were really struggling to move the ball through the thirds. Like, we had a lot of it between our back line, pass between our back line, which is fine. But there just seemed to be either no one was confident in playing a ball into the midfield or the midfield wasn't exactly showing uh, for a pass. But we just keep playing it and they slowly moved forward and we slowly moved back and then we get to our 18-yard box and go, ah, right, now we're getting into a danger zone and then just sort of hack it clear. So for some reason, and maybe that led to what, for Crave getting pulled at half-time, but there just seemed to be something that wasn't connecting between the back line and the midfield um, very well. Um, and, and and when we did, it's it seems now that Zawada's started scoring with his head, we've just now thought that that's our only route to goal like I think there's a relationship between Zawada starting to score and Cryer starting to disappear in games because he he's, hasn't done much the last two or three games and hasn't played a full 90 minutes and I wonder whether um, we're starting to look straight more for Zawada to kind of finish it off rather than what did work perhaps a few rounds ago was working it through our, our wide players and then going to it seemed like that he's our only our route to goal now for some reason Hmm, I'd agree. It feels like we want to go route one and we want to go route one early and from deep because we think that Sawada can can pick off those minuscule chances. I mean, uh, I think the XG for that entire half was uh, 0.18. So under, under 0.2 for an XG kind of shows that we were living on scraps. I think it it, sh- it seems like a crazy tactic for us to be looking towards as well, given the players you've got out there. I mean, Borley and Kryev are not players you should be looking to skip. Um, they both work hard. They're both pretty good at ball with feet. They're both good running at players. And those are the guys who, if they, if they can, you know, run at someone and, you know, even, even just drag someone in and lay a ball off to Zawada you're in so much better position than you are skipping them, you know? It's it's not like we're lacking the quality around them to use. And so, you know, and then, you know, you've got Costa in, this, in there as well with a bit of pace and, you know, offering offering a bit of, you know, an, uh, another dimension too. And it just, it just seems crazy to me that we seem to think that just because Zawada is banging in those chances that we shouldn't look at the others. It just, it, it, I find it very surprising because I agree, it does look like we've got very one dimensional and I just can't see a reason for it. Yeah, I mean, there might be a few. I mean, 
I think we're we're missing Clayton Lewis's passing game in there. I think that's 100%. quite a significant loss. Um, yeah, I don't think Yugakovic is anywhere near the same degree of, of which Clayton does. So maybe there's a little bit of psychological knowing that Clayton's not there and looking a bit longer. But yeah, and maybe you know Finn Suman doesn't exactly look the, like the, the the silkiest passer either. So you know when you have got Tim Payne back there, you know he can play a pretty good ball, some diag balls quite well. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of that, but. Yeah, I mean, it led to in the second half, Yugakovic dropping in between, the, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the centre backs, picking up the ball between the centre backs, and I just understand that because it takes another player out of the central midfield role. So when it does go into there, it's like three on one. So, I mean, maybe it was an instruction, but I, I never understand the role of of getting a uh, a central midfielder dropping between the centre backs to to start the play. I I have seen it work, but it does mean that your your wing backs basically just Go up into the midfield and you play like a three-three, yeah. yeah. And but you have to be a very fluid, very organised group to do it. Like I, I've seen some of Pep's teams do that. That should kind of tell you the standard that you, you're going to try and get the team to operate on. Um, do we do we have to go on to the next goal? That's why we're here. Oh, I know. Um, so foul outside the box, uh, set up for a real Nick's. Um, a real killer, really. You know, it's bad enough when you're playing badly. The last thing you need is someone to crack an up to crack a good goal against you. And Jake Brummer stepped up and hit a very good free kick. Yeah, yeah, very good free kick. I thought in the lead up, I thought we defended it quite poorly, though. Like it was one of those ones where I think Fornaroli initiates the contact. Like he knows, like he kind of gets to the side of Sermon, and I think there's someone in front of him. I can't remember might be Laws or, or someone, I think he realises, oh, the chance from scoring here is quite low. I'm just going to try and initiate a little bit of contact from some Sermon and fall over and get, get a free kick. And I think that's exactly what happened. Um, and, and maybe Sermon's a little bit naive because he's sort of young. But he, he kind of... It's one of the ones where yeah, a young defender going up against a, you know experienced striker and there was only going to be one outcome from it. I thought the other card was ridiculous for it, what it was. Yeah, like agreed. There was very very little sort of contact and it was sort of kind of barged into each other kind of thing so yeah it's a sort of foul you see david ball win every week two or three of you know he just looks for the contact initiates it himself and then wins the foul not necessarily in the same threatening positions but ball wins us a lot of those as well through the exactly what you're talking about just experience yeah yeah i agree and that yellow card was a it was a joke it just didn't make any sense to me at all I, I, I don't even get what the justification was. I think the ref thought it was more from, like a, a barge from behind, dragging him down as he was about to shoot. But there was, look at the replay, I don't think Fornarelli has any intention of shooting or, or trying to score from there. I think he's, he's looking for a foul all, all, the, whole, the whole time. Yeah, I, I don't think he was set up to shoot just there anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we can fault anyone uh in the actual free kick, can we? I thought, I thought Ollie Sales' positioning was was fine. Um, just curled up and over. It's just a worldy. Sometimes they go in. Yeah, sometimes they just hit it that well. Yeah. If if Ollie's covering where this goes in, no one's scoring back there. They're just tapping in and at the front post because you can't stand in that corner to defend this. No, just no, no. That's what the wall's there for. Um. Yeah, bugger. Um, now, from here on, it felt like we were going through the paces, didn't it? It certainly didn't feel like we were in the game. Like, the Victory no. were controlling it at that point, and I did feel the only team that was really going to score at that point was Victory. We did create a couple of opportunities, but I think we got a mile into this game before we had our second shot on goal um, after the Zawada goal. So, yeah, it's... Um, it certainly didn't feel like we were on the pace of it. I can't even remember the shot at goal. I think it was Sass, wasn't it? I think yeah, he had that little volley so. from outside the box. I think yeah, it was about the yeah. eighty something, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was. It was quite a long. It was a long drink. A long time between drinks for us. Um, and you know, what? you have games like that, and it's generally going to be a victory. But it, yeah, victory just just seemed to be controlling it very, very easily from that point. 
Yeah. Um, you mentioned Jan Sass. He and uh, Sam Sutton were brought on in the 71st minute. Um, good to see Sutts getting a bit of a trot out. Uh, Moragas has had a bit of a stranglehold on that left-back position. Yeah, I thought Moragas was probably a little bit lucky to keep his um, spot after that Perth game. Um, I thought he was really poor. And um, I guess maybe if he gives everyone a couple of chances to show himself, but um, yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Sutton back in there. I think he gives a bit more um, defensively. Moragas has a fantastic agree. delivery. <clears throat> his his delivery is very, very good, but yeah, I agree. I think Sutton defensively, Sutton offers more. His one-on-one defending worries me. Uh, and I, I, I wasn't particularly worried because he seemed to do all right. But as you mentioned, Dale, that Perth game, what was it, Catrumbus had him on toast like three or four times, his footwork was awful and his positioning um, was just bad as well. So much so that Crave had to do some defending as well to to help him out. So, yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a sign that Sutton came on, you know, in 70 minutes that uh, maybe if he's thinking something similar. Everything was uh, not quite, not still not going to, to plan. Pennington and Van Haddam coming on for Rufa. And David Ball, that didn't seem to change much from what I saw. Yeah, I mean, they had that goalmouth scramble at one point, didn't they? I can't remember what what portion of the game was, but it was like a bit of a ball across the six-yard box that kind of everyone missed, and it came back and did the same thing. But yeah, like, what was our third third chance? It was after the third goal, wasn't it, where we had a couple of shots at point black range, I think? Oh, yeah. um, I can't remember when it was. There was definitely a shot. Not quite in the six yeah. from the right hand side, but I think we probably all gave up watching at that point. Yeah. I, I was just willing for the whistle. I mean, I genuinely placed money on victory to score another one, and they did. So that shows how I was feeling. But so the 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 goalmouth scramble you're talking about, Dale, I think is is when Borley came off because he ends up getting his That's right. his hand stood on by um by Bruno. Oh, Obviously, yeah, it's yeah. accidental, but he he already looked like he might have might have had a bit of a bit of a sore something. Um, he had he had kind of pulled up and was limping a little before that, and then he had his his hand stood on, and that didn't look that pretty, and it, and there was blood pouring from his hand, and I think that was the the final straw for him coming off. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit concerning. I mean, with Bully, you, you know that even if he gets a finger torn off, he'll still show up next week. Well, yeah, but... even even if he copped it flush on the hand and it's a few broken bones in the hand, that's not going to stop him playing, right? But it, it didn't look quite that bad, but it certainly certainly didn't look comfortable either. No, no. Um, in the end, what was comfortable was a Melbourne victory uh, win, uh, pulling them off the bottom of the table um, and bringing them up to 14 points and leaving us to pop down to fifth. Point of order, victory is still out on the bottom of the table. So I'm just taking a little bit of solace out of the fact that they are still propping up everybody. Yeah, you see, the problem with that is they still beat us. Yeah, that, that that's true, but you know, there's got to be a small little silver lining there. Don't don't we still play them twice as well? Yeah, we definitely play them. Uh, we play them here on the first of April, uh, and a double header. I'm not sure where the other game is. Uh, I'll run you through them. Uh, so we've got Vic. Uh, sorry, Macarthur next. Then Western United. You'd hope we need to pull some points out of those. Then we've got the Mariners. Uh, in uh, the coast, uh, back home against the Jets and against Sydney, then away to Adelaide uh, at home 1st of April, as you mentioned, uh, against the Victory, away to Melbourne City, home against the Roar, away against the Wanderers and away against MacArthur. So only one more against Victory. But there's still some winnable games in there and there's some games that... If we drop points, we're going to struggle to keep in the six. I would say our, our, those are all winnables, except City away, City away, and Adelaide away. Well, there's also, I mean, we've got, I mean, as much as I, we kind of bag the Mariners a bit, and uh, it hurts to say that the Wanderers are going okay. Somehow they're still managing. Both teams are still managing to win, and they're both still sitting second and third. Well, Mariners haven't won in three games, so they're having a little wobble as well. And and we looked like both games we played against the Mariners, we had the we had the the rubber the green on them. I I don't think Mariners will would worry us. Um, 
just because in, in a head-to-head matchup, we've looked better. Yes, that that is true. Um, the same way victory might be dog shit against everyone else, head-to-head, better against us. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to ask whether uh, which team shows up for their next game uh, against MacArthur. Is it this team that basically played against Perth and against this, or does Tim Payne coming back uh, give the boys the rev up and the extra bit of quality they need? I mean, to be honest, I, I don't, yeah, I, I think the big thing is the players we're missing. I think I think that's the thing that's really hurting us at the moment. I, and I think, you know, Tim Payne coming back obviously helps, but I think I think Lewis is a, is a huge loss. And I think Scotty Wooten's a big loss as well. I think he he commands that back line a lot better than what we're seeing at the moment. Obviously, you've, you've had a bit of chopping and changing there because of red cards and whatever, but Wooten does command that back line. And it's a thing we've always needed, you know, in the, in the Tails era, that was the big thing that he bought there was was commanding that backline. It didn't matter how many young kids you put around him. He bossed them around. He got them in the right spots. And he he could get more out of them than they would have got out of themselves. You know, it didn't suddenly transform us into an invincible defense. But you got 10, 20% more out of them just because of the way he was marshalling it, right? And I think um, I think Scotty does a decent amount of that too, um, just, just through the experience that he brings there. Um, so I think I think... Short of us getting those players back, we are going to struggle. That doesn't mean we can't win games and we can't beat teams, but I don't think it's going to just come easy like it was for a few weeks there. Um, you know, we, things things were things were rocking, and we had all all the people and and everyone was you know firing on all cylinders. But we've lost a few of those key people now, and they're not going to be back soon. So we need to we need to find a way to tick it over, even if it's not going to be the well-oiled machine it was. Cam, what have we got to fix? I have to agree with Dave. I am. Um, I think Lewis is actually going to be a massive loss. I think his season this season has been. And we talked about this at preseason. You recall the the whole breakout that uh, we hoped that he would have, and I think he's really putting together what has been a very accomplished season. Um, I'm glad we have Rufa back. I don't think we'll miss Lewis quite as much as we would if Rufa hadn't been back from his injuries. But Rufa is still, you know, he hadn't played for a year. He's taking his time to get back into the swing of of where he was prior to his to his uh, to his knee injury and he showed a lot of glimpses of that uh, against Perth um with the his ability to find space to make his passes and so to look like he has more time on the ball than he actually does and he's just you know he has a very kind of a languid style which is nice and that will come over time it's just not quite all back yet so Lewis is out is a problem um and yeah uh, i think scotty wooten is obviously our top defender i totally agree him being in there against perth him being in there against victory would have made things quite different um i don't see how you fix that obviously without the players coming back unless you're prepared to change your formation and change uh, and, and the way you play and that's not something that Ufi's ever likely to do or ever hasn't done in the past and it's just shown no inclination to do it so um i think the players that are there is what we've got we're going to have to have them step up um i don't think we've been, we i don't I don't think we have too many issues scoring. Um, I'm not necessarily in, Day, in Dale's camp about we've just gone one route because Zawada's you know, just started to score. And obviously he scored five games in a row, which is, uh, I think, uh, equals the club record, which is, which is brilliant. But we, we haven't struggled to score and we have shared a lot of goals around a lot of the teams. So they may have limited the way they're playing to Zawada, but I don't think it necessarily means we're going to struggle for goals in other areas as well. Yeah, I don't know. I, do, I, I don't know what my call would be. I think our midfield, we, we're, str- we're struggling, because we're struggling with numbers, we're going to be doing Rufa and Yugarkovic, and we're going to be doing Payne and Laws. They're going to be the starting core of that team moving forward for quite some time if Wooten's injury is worse than we would hope it was. So... And I think the the lack of choice there is going to be a problem. Okay, Cam's playing it straight down the middle. That's right. I talked about the centre backs and the centre midfield, so straight down the middle. Dale, how do we fix this? I don't, like, I don't think it's necessarily a crisis at the moment. I think if we have one more game where our midfielders is not quite gelling as it has, I think there's a strong case to 
and please don't laugh to put Pennington in there for Jugakovic. Uh, yeah, I think he just gives a bit more, a, lot, a bit of a longer passing game in that midfield. That I, th- I think Jugakovic and Ref are a bit too similar, and I think that maybe that's part of the problem. And we, yeah, other than that, I think we really need to work out how to get Cry back into the into the into the ball game because yeah, for the first what ten weeks, eight weeks, he was probably our best player, and. I don't recall him doing much of note in the last month or so. Maybe even since the the World Cup break. Uh, maybe there was a game or two in there. But yeah, it just, just seems to have dropped off considerably. And I, I, I don't know what that is. I'm not smart enough to pinpoint why. But um, I guess that's why if he's paid a decent, decent wedge to work it out. Another point is, this is our first loss in five. We've gone four games with three wins and a draw. Um, and the draw we should have won if it hadn't been for the red card, right? So there's no there's no crisis here. We're three points off second. Yes, we're three points ahead of ninth, but the league is tight. It's it's phenomenally tight, and one result can see you jump up or move down that table quite significantly. But we're nowhere near out of it, and we haven't been playing badly this season. So it's uh yeah it's uh it's our first. Our first loss in, in five. Our second loss since the World Cup break. Uh, just, I'm, I'm not overly concerned at this point that there's a, a massive con- massive thing to change. Well, I'm going to take issue with we're not playing badly because those last two games have been pretty diabolical. No, I, again, I disagree. We were diabolical. I'd say diabolical is a harsh word, actually. we When we went down to 10... Perth were stronger. When we had 11 on the field, we were the better side. That's not an argument. It's a fact. We could all see that. So it's it's harsh to say it's diabolical. Yes, we had a bad game against Victory. We all concede that. We didn't play well. We didn't deserve to win Victory. We were a better team. But that's one game. And we've been good since that World Cup break, since we came back. Our record has been very good. Our record has been, but we haven't been playing quality football. We've hung on a couple of times. And through desperation, we've gotten away with it. I don't think it's been quality, though. So we're, so we're sitting three points off second. We're sitting three points off second, and we're showing they're incredibly hard to beat. Um, I, I think you are, you are expecting Premier League football, and that's not what we're watching. No, but even an A-League team, uh, we, we got away with at least two games before that where we could have easily lost them. Sydney we could have, yep, Sydney we could have, thanks to the ref, but we didn't, which was great. Um, but no, I just, I don't know, I think your your expectations are a little high. Uh, perhaps mine are a little low, fair enough, but uh, I, I, I don't see this as a crisis at all. Yeah, I think, I think Frosty's hinting at the Raw game, which again, we were hanging on by the slimmest margin, and the Mariners as well. You know, we, we were ahead by two, and we let Mariners back into that game for that last half hour. I, I agree it would have been it would have been harsh if we had ended up biffing it away, but we sure as hell let them have a chance at it. That probably shouldn't have been there. They had some shots, they could have scored them, could have been could have been three two the other way. Um it obviously wasn't, but we were hanging on for grim death. We we didn't look like a team that was just confidently playing out the last half hour. We looked like a team that was scrambling and worried. And I think that feeds into the next two. You touched something on very important there is that we are struggling to close out games. There's no issue with that. Um, we've dropped 17 points from leading positions this season, yep. and that's a phenomenal amount of points to drop from. Sure, you're gonna it's gonna happen. You know, teams come back and draw with you often, but that's a significant number of points to drop. Um, so I will totally give you that, Dale. Yeah, you guys have been talking so long. I forgot what my point was, but I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes 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 uh, a loss is, is can be good for you. Um, yeah, I think if we if we eked out a draw there in the last minute, maybe it you know it 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 papers over a few cracks um, and, and maybe a loss to the bottom place team has a bit of you know self reflection going on around the team about where they are and and what they need to do. So um, yeah, if we go out and get pasted again this week, then maybe I'll be a bit more worried. But sometimes um, it can give you a bit of a bit of a self-serve about your own performance and the team and etc. Yeah, that that's fair. And I I must admit that the um 
the Brisbane game, like the to me, the Sydney game was less desperate than the Brisbane game, and so we've done okay and kind of trying to believe in ourselves a little bit better about hanging on, but still, it doesn't look great. And as uh, I think Dave, you mentioned, like when we go ahead, we just don't seem to know how to play. We or we change the way out we play. That feels a bit weird to me, especially when we do it so early. Like it changes our mindset. It's like we're we're a come from behind team or something. Yeah, and it's a, it's a strange one because if you look at those seventeen points that that Cam's talking about dropping, if if we had those, we'd be top of the table and clear by seven points. You know, so so the 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 quality is there to be doing really well in the league, and it's not to say we're not. I mean, we're still sitting fifth, right? But, but those 17 points make a big difference given how tight this table is. And that's even overtaking the team who are top by some margin. You know, I think I think you look at that table and you go, everyone's pretty well grouped except City. Those 17 points put us well clear of City. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a reflection, I think, of, of we're probably being quite harsh on it, but it's because, you know, the hope, is what kills you. You know, we're, we're having a good season and it doesn't feel like we're going to capitalize on it. You know, like we might, we might just be almost there and scrape in its fifth or sixth again and bomb out in round one of the finals. Like we see so many times in a season where we're not playing well this year, we've got a see, uh, you know, a striker who's scoring five in a row, actually doing well as Dale hinted at earlier. Kryev was probably the, the best player in the league the first six or seven weeks. I mean, he was, he was a phenomenal find. Everyone was talking him up. And he seems to have gone off the boil. We've had a couple injuries, and it just feels like the season that could have been is going to slip through our fingers. And I think that's probably what's got us all worried after one loss to bottom of the table. We're now looking ahead and going, shit, is this the beginning of what we all suspect it could be? I mean, it's also the nature of the loss of the points, too. Like, it's the Western, Western United three goals in 10 minutes. It's the Central Coast Mariners two goals in seven minutes or whatever, whatever two goals in two minutes, I think, for, for there. So it's not necessarily that, you know, you get points. You might score 10 comebacks to draw, that's fine. But it's the nature of the fact that we should have won those games and didn't win either. And there's it's not just those, obviously. There's other games in there this season. And the only one I can just recall us coming back from uh, was the first game away to City. And I'll probably throw in that we earned three bonus points against Sydney as well, because we probably shouldn't have got those considering the circumstances. But that's probably why it hurts. Those 17 points hurt more because of how we're feeling around the way we lose them. Yeah, I think that's probably valid. And there's... I, I, I wonder if it's if uh, if we hadn't experienced this hurt before, whether we're quite thinking it is as bad as we think it is. Um, but we should probably just move on to that that next game. Um, it is up against MacArthur FC. Um, that game is he says trying to hastily call for time. Sunday the twelfth. Uh, at 7pm. Um, MacArthur, uh, they got wellied, didn't they, the, their last game? They did. 6-1 six, yeah, by City. That's got a sting. Um, does that help or hurt us? Well, I think the forecast is for 30-plus degrees at kickoff uh, Sunday, so that definitely won't help us. Um, they're going to bounce back, sure, but, you know... The confidence is going to be low, uh, so you'd want to take advantage of that. Could just swing either way, really. Um, An early Zawada goal wouldn't hurt, would it? Well, well it hurt it? last time, mate. <laughs> An early hat trick would probably be the goer. Yeah, it's a good one, David. Yeah, good point. An early Zawada hat trick would possibly be good. I mean, as long as we can do a number on early, then yeah, I think that's a lot of their creativity gone. Someone give them a good, good kick in would be nice. Maybe Rufa. Yeah, I could see Roofs doing that. Um, let's be honest, I could see them all taking turns. Um, but uh, is it just as simple as stop Uli, stop MacArthur? Yeah, I think it is. Yep. I think I think if you can stop Uli and you get a goal up, that probably, that, that probably rips the heart out of them. Yeah, I, I do tend to, uh, to agree. There is obviously Azani and um, Noon up there as well, but... Um, yeah, 
I don't think anyone's worried about Azani. I mean, no, oh, no, maybe, but you've done it. Dave, you've why, done it. Why, why would you stay there, man? Sometimes you just got to lean into it, boys. You got to accept it. He's going to score against us, whether we say it or not. I tried to lean into that against victory, and it just completely backfired and blew up in my face. We we can't. Oh, Dave. That's going to be a terrible dive, and you'll get the penalty and a red card. It's on you, buddy. It's on you. Got to own it. (laughs) If we come away with a good, solid victory, I'll concede. Good man. But (laughs) if Arzani scores some. Oh, boy. Place place money on Arzani to score. All of you listeners, do it. It's the right answer. I had money on Fauna Roly. It was the best bet I ever made. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, It's certain money, wasn't it, Dave? I mean, a, a, a guy as good as him on a goal-scoring drought, who's he going to break the duck on? Of course it's us. Of course Fornaroli was going to score, and he did. Of course Azani's going to score. The, I mean, one of the traditions of the Knicks is playing out-of-form strikers back into form and doing it rapidly, so I think that qualifies. Um, we should probably get into the off-the-field uh, stuff as well. Um Let's start with uh, Ufi. Obviously, there's a bit of a debacle going on at New Zealand football. I don't think there's any surprise to anyone that's known about New Zealand football before. Uh, they've offered jobs to people that don't want it, um, uh, managed to tell other people who did want it that that they didn't get the job, and it seems like one of them was Ufi. Um, I think you need to put a little massive bit of... Uh, uh, allegedly, allegedly, over the cross, over the top of all of that, bud, because everything you're suggesting there, not like some of it is hearsay. There's nothing concrete come out of that. So. Reported as fact by the media. John Herdman, John Herdman released a statement that said that um, he, he wasn't going anywhere. No, no, but in that statement, he said that the, an offer was made from New Zealand Football yep. and he rejected it. Were that his exact words? Yes. Because I'm going to look it up. Yeah, by all means, though. Dave's yep. furiously he, nodded. He did say he received an offer from New Zealand Football. That that part was confirmed. Whether or not he was the preferred candidate is is the thing where the speculation still lies. But I think I think there's two things to talk about here, right? There's there's the New Zealand Football or White's coaching decision, but then there's the Ufi piece of it, right? And this is this is a, a Phoenix podcast, so we should probably focus on that at least in more detail than we might the other bit to start. So the, the Ufi part's interesting, right? Because basically it seems like Ufi didn't even get an interview, didn't get much of a look in at this, right? And I don't know that from a New Zealand football perspective, I find that that surprising. Um, I think we're potentially kind of past the point of it making sense for a job share between those two things. Obviously, the Phoenix would be pretty keen on it. It takes takes some weight off them. It gives Ufi a reason to stay. But I don't know that there's much benefit there for New Zealand football in terms of having someone share their job, particularly when at the critical times, he's going to have very split focus. I mean, the international windows don't necessarily give you weeks to play around for camps before or after or, you know, the travel he'll need to do because the A-League basically do the bare minimum when it comes to windows and he's still going to have games and the Phoenix are still going to want him coaching, right? So for me, it doesn't it doesn't make... It's not that much of a surprise for me that the, the New Zealand football didn't want to entertain this as much as the Phoenix and Ufi did. Yeah, I, I remember we discussed this when Ufi had said he put his name forward and I, I think I said something something similar to he'll only get it if there's basically no one else of a similar calibre because I, I, yeah the job share just doesn't make any sense to me um, it did when Ricky was there because like I went and checked the numbers there was only five overseas players in the in the All Whites um, when Ricky was doing it so he could see all the players by just watching a bunch of A-League games and some local football which he probably didn't do <laughs> But like in the in that Costa Rica game, there was only five um, New Zealand Australian based players, and the rest were overseas. So you can break through all your windows you like, but if you're trying to keep tabs of twenty, twenty five players overseas playing in probably it's a similar number of leagues, there's no way you can do that and hold down a full time coaching job. It just it just doesn't seem plausible, and it's, it's not surprised that you know he he wasn't really a, considered as a, a strong possibility and i i'm i'm sure they probably just kept around in a just in case moment um and it seems that's what's what's happened really there's an easy answer there this new zealand football shifts down to the nzcis that's not an answer at all 
it's a brilliant answer. It answers everything perfectly. Then Ophi could do both. I mean, jobs it ignores everything spot. Dale just said. Yeah, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, it's an easy answer. Yeah, I, I do tend to agree with Dale. Um, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless there's no one better, and that would be uh, something I would say. But Ophi's now ruled himself out. He's come out and said, basically, if they offer it to me, I'm going to say no. Uh, I don't know whether that means that he has other irons in the fire or not but uh, as far as New Zealand football is concerned he is out and he is presumably concentrating on the um, Phoenix uh, and finishing out the season I can understand that attitude man I can um, purely because he won't want to be considered second best I can understand yeah. why he's now gone no if you wanted me you'd have had me the first time you don't want me now that's fine I, I get that yeah 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 He's an ambitious guy, and he's also the sort of guy who appreciates honesty, right? And he will have he will have felt a bit led along there. I would I would expect by the way that process has gone, and he's not he's not gonna, as you say, want to be the second prize getter. He's that's not the sort of guy he is. If if that if they'd had a full and frank conversation with him about that months ago when he applied, maybe he might still entertain it. But the the silent treatment isn't the way you get a guy like that to stay on the hook. It's just not. Perhaps what should have happened is, um, oh, I mean, he had an interview, so right. So I'm assuming he got asked how would this work in practice, and maybe his answer wasn't wasn't good enough. But maybe there was some something that needed to happen between New Zealand football and the, and Phoenix to say how do you think this would go from your point of view rather than just the coaching point of view. But anyway, was done done I suppose. Yeah, well, as far as the Knicks is concerned, uh, Ufi said no, that's it. Uh, Ufi has been doing some off-the-field work uh, on behalf of the Knicks as well. Um, A bit of a recruitment job has happened. Um, They have tried to squeeze a centre-back into the January window, uh, their preferred option. They didn't quite get them across the line. Um, And cue rumours and speculation, but we have no names specifically. what uh, who was signed was um, the uh, the other boxel, uh, Nico Boxel, who has come from uh, Auckland City, who just finished their Club World Cup campaign, uh, not spectacularly, but uh, camp- yeah, that's true. Campaign and in inverted <laughs> in quotation marks. Dave, thanks. I didn't. I didn't say anything. That's not on me. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest result, but obviously getting a pro contract for, the, I assume, the rest of the season. Uh, has that been confirmed? Just just a three-month contract? To the end of the year. End of the yeah, season, certainly what the announcement said. If there's any extension clauses in there, that's not that's not clear from the announcement. Hmm. So how do we feel about uh, Nico Boxel joining? Like Tele, it's not great to know you're the second choice, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's been obvious that perhaps a little bit more cover there has, has been needed. I guess that pain suspension probably highlighted that a bit more. Maybe it's a little bit of a sign of Wooten's injury being a bit more longer term. And also I, I read that um, Finn Sermon apparently will miss the, is likely to miss the, any playoffs or maybe even the last round of the of the league because of um, the under-20 World Cup. So um, you take into all those things, it looks like we needed another um, another body back there and um, you know, you're talking about Australian, New Zealand centre backs who are able to be signed in January. It's probably a very small, very small list. So, yeah, you mentioned uh, second best. I mean, he is second best in his family as well. So, you know, oh mate, Jesus Christ, <laughs> unnecessary. What's that? What's that? Mark War, Steve War slag? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least I'm the yeah. best player in my family. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep, the classics. Um, yeah, I mean, he hasn't come. I mean, I, I've only seen him play for the All Whites for those couple of times. He looked okay. Um, his career has been playing some of the, you know, lesser, um, lesser divisions in the Northern Hemisphere. So, you know, he's just come from the USL, which um, I've seen a little bit of, and it's not a particularly great standard. So, um, yeah, I guess it'll be a step up for him. We'll see whether he can do it or not. Yeah, that's fair. I, I should add, I was being a bit facetious with that. but um, Just being rude, actually. <laughs> um, uh, he, he strikes me as the sort of guy that 
he he'll he won't make horrendous mistakes, but he'll just kind of he'll get the basics done, right? Anyone seen him a bit more than just the all whites? Uh, no, and I think it's one of those ones. You know, this is this is a cover signing for a few months. We we obviously don't expect him to necessarily be uh, the league standard or above, but he's there as cover. I think he'll do an adequate job of that, and you know, we'll see how he goes. It, it's it's a good chance for him. It's a it's a great opportunity, and fingers crossed, he he grabs it and you know shows his wares because um, yeah, it's exactly the chance you would have been hoping for as as a player like him um, for a long time, and here it is. He's coming in as basically fourth choice centre back at the moment. That's probably his starting spot. Yeah, at the moment, Wooten's out, so he's third choice. And whether he goes up, you that think big he comes order. ahead of Finn Sermon? Yep, definitely. Interesting. I wouldn't have picked that, but especially not this early before he's kind of got his feet in the door. Is it? Is that because of the third goal on the, on the weekend, or? because we didn't really cover that off particularly in depth, and uh, I wouldn't have necessarily put that... Uh... Oh, I didn't think that was his fault. I thought it was Ollie Sales for a start. Yeah. Oh, I think Ollie pretty clearly calls for it. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's on that's on Finn, to Ollie, be fair. Ollie's literally putting his laces through as, as it gets nodded away from him. Yeah, I, I, I agree, but I don't think Ollie should have been going for it. I, I think Sermon should have gone, no, you stay there, I'll hit it to you. That's that's a mistake that you let the keeper wear. Then you don't take it off his toe. If if the keeper's called, you let him have it. Sorry to take this back a step, guys. My bad. I'll I'll just pipe in and say you're both correct, or you're all correct. That I don't think Ollie should have come out for it, but given he did, his. as I said, an experienced centre back slows down, impedes the the oncoming attacker, and yeah. creates that space for the goalkeeper. So you're not saying it's textbook to wait until Ollie's foot's swinging through the air and then just nod it a couple inches? I don't think he even nods it. He, I think it comes off his shoulder. I, I think he, yeah, I think he's lost the flight of the ball looking at Ollie and it hits his shoulder and goes out. And yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I I agree. It's not his finest moment, and I think he's really not going to enjoy the replays on that. Um, no doubt Ollie's um, explained the errors of his ways too. I mean, I'm sure the coach has pointed out to Ollie the error of his ways as well, because I think we all agree he shouldn't have been coming anyway. But once he does, you've got to let that play out. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I It did feel a bit like um, Ollie doesn't quite trust the people in front of him at the moment. Um, so obviously, the um, rolling on to the uh, game versus MacArthur, 7 pm on the Sunday, the 12th. Uh, the women have a game up after their bye. They are playing against the Western Sydney Wanderers. We should give them a little love because they have hit their straps, to be quite honest. Um, it will be good to see them back again and see whether they can continue on this um, this little run they've got going. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, certainly playing a team that they can beat. Um, Western Sydney Wanderers have obviously gone on a bit of a run since the draw that they got here with us. But in that draw, we were the better side and we have certainly improved in the last couple of games. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all for all for them uh, having a great shot at uh, getting something out of that game. Uh, yep, that game is at 5pm on the 12th as well, so just before the men's game. Uh, the Wanderers sitting ninth with 11 points. Uh, the Knicks now with 5, uh, sitting in, in 11th, um, but starting to make things look a little better. Definitely winnable, uh, Dale? Yeah, um, it's interesting to see whether the buy helps or hurts the team. Yeah, and as you say, Western Sydney... Uh, a little bit of a purple patch, um, being a couple of high placed teams, but yeah, I, th- I think it's yeah, I think it's certainly certainly winnable. I think we're a completely different side to when we played them last, aren't we? Do we we've played them before, haven't we? I can't remember what. Yes, one or draw. Yeah. I literally just said that. Yeah, well, I, I zoned you out after you tried to <laughs> say disparaging stuff about what I said. It's completely incorrect. Um. Yeah, uh, after this uh, last couple of games, um, the uh, women have managed to up their goals per match to one point one, which is uh, which isn't 
too bad. Uh, but the uh, Wanderers really struggling to get goals in, uh, only at 0.75 per game. Um, if we can keep our defence reasonably tight, you'd you'd hope that that should be winnable. Um, that, I think you're right, Dale. I think it just comes down to that buy. You know, you get yourself, when they get that confidence up and now they've got to sit down for a week, it's a bit of a rough one, but you're still going to be riding pretty high. Uh, it'd be great to see. Um, and hopefully they can uh, get another win in the column, another three points and really make a run at getting off the bottom of the table. Yeah, because they uh, have international break, I think, next after that. And then Sydney after. Oh, that's a tough assignment. Um, is uh, when's that international window? Do you know, Dale? Was it thirteenth to the? I don't know, twenty something, twenty second. Yeah, so this is the last round before the international break, and then they come back. Uh, the next game back for the women after that will be against Sydney in Auckland. Oh, that's awful timing, unfortunately, but sometimes it happens. Well, yeah, but, let's hope this week they show that the break did them some good. Because, um, yeah, that's what we need them to do is is come off confidence into breaks and keep riding that confidence. Yeah. It'd be nice to see a uh, yellow and black strip going out there with confidence and um, making good plays at it. Um, hopefully it rubs off onto the men. Um, I think that's pretty much the uh, all we need to cover, unless anyone can think of anything. Oh, so I'm taking silence as a is uh, it's time to go to bed. I think Cam um, wanted to talk about um, Herdman a bit. <laughs> have, you, have you read that statement yet, Cam? No, I couldn't find it. Oh, what a, what a shame. Yeah, okay. What utter trash. You know exactly where it is. It's shown in one in the Fever, Fever channels, mate. Oh, I'm not, on, I'm not on Slack at the moment. Bollocks. I just sent you a message <laughs> and you replied. <laughs> utter bollocks. Um <laughs> It seems appropriate that we uh, end on lies and fabrications because that's what is in right now wheelhouse. Uh, I'll just say goodbye. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.